Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today we celebrate the third Sunday of Easter. Now in case you haven't noticed, over the past few weeks, we have been reading from John's Gospel, and particularly from chapters 14, 15, and 16. Now, scholars believe that, or refer to this as John's Last Supper Discourse. Now, unlike the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, they all tell us exactly what happened at the Last Supper, how Jesus instituted the Eucharist, the Mass that we celebrate today. And yet for John, he doesn't mention this at all. He talks about two things. One, the foot washing, and two, this lengthy discourse that Jesus gives to his apostles. And so we've been reading for it or with it for the past several weeks. Now appreciate the context in which it is set in. Jesus is with his apostles celebrating the Last Supper. He knows his impending death is just a few hours away. So he has just a little time with his apostles. Now he's telling them what they absolutely need to know in order for them to carry on the mission. You could say this is Jesus' last will and testament. It would be for us like a family member that we hold dear to us. We love them very much and suddenly we find out they're dying. So we go to their bedside and we talk to them and they tell us the important things about life. They tell us what we need to know in order to be successful in life, to find happiness. And so there's a natural tendency for us to listen carefully, to hang on every word that they speak to us. Well, see, that's what's going on here in the gospel. Jesus is imparting upon the apostles his last words of wisdom before he dies. Therefore, he must make absolutely certain the apostles know and understand the faith, that they can carry on the mission that Jesus started. And see, that's why our church carefully positions these gospel passages together right after Easter. Therefore, we too must be like the apostles. We must tend to these gospel passages very carefully, hang on every word that Jesus speaks to us. Now, notice how it begins. Jesus says to his disciples, I am the true vine and my father is the vine grower. He takes away every branch in me that does not bear fruit and every one that does he prunes so that it does bear fruit. Well, what's the implication here? Well, we have to realize Jesus truly is the only source of life that we know. There is no other source of life in this world other than Jesus. Therefore, we must remain in him. I think Paul puts it best in Corinthians when he says, after our baptism, we are grafted on to Christ. We now share a life with Christ. Now notice these images that John gives us. They're very organic. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. 
The Father is the vine grower, the pruner. We have to remain in Him. These are organic images. Later on, Jesus will say, you know, unless you eat and drink my flesh, you will not have eternal life. John 6, 57. Or, I am the bread of life. John 6, 35. These are all organic images, images of life, telling us what we need to know to have life and life in abundance for all of eternity. Notice what Jesus also says, just the opposite. Unless we remain in him, we will not have life. We will wither away. Now, it's kind of like like a plant. A plant has to remain in the ground. It has to be rooted in soil for it to grow. If a plant is uprooted, taken out of the soil, it eventually dies. Take a fish, a goldfish. Take that goldfish out of water, just put it on a countertop, it'll eventually die. Look at us. You know, we right now in this world, in this atmosphere we call the earth, we have a delicate balance between oxygen and carbon dioxide and nitrogen. Now, if you were to uproot us and put us in another planet that has a different mixture of atmosphere, we would die. See, this is, I think, what Jesus is getting at here. We have to position ourselves so that we will always have life and life in abundance through Christ. We have to realize Jesus Christ is not just a great teacher amongst many. No, he's more than that. He truly is the source of life. I like Paul's image from Corinthians in which he says, we, the church, are the body and Jesus Christ is the head. That's how intimately connected we must be with Christ. Now, when Paul refers to the church, he doesn't mean that the church is a club of like-minded people. No, it's much more than that. The church is the vehicle for life in this world so that we may obtain it. Notice Christ continues. He says, Remain in me as I remain in you, just as a branch cannot bear fruit on its own unless it remains in the vine. So neither can you unless you remain in me. Again, what's the implication? Well, do we really want life and life in abundance? Do we really want to bear fruit? Bear fruit means to have our faith grow. Well, if we do then we've got to remain in Christ. But if we don't, if we think we can draw life from something other than Christ in this world, what Jesus is saying, we can't. Our faith won't grow. Now, is this hard? Is this a hard language for us to take in? Well, for some, it may be. For some that are searching for something other to give them life in this world. But for us, no, not really. We have to realize in our culture, we have people telling us on a regular basis how to live our lives, and we probably don't even realize it. I'll give you some examples. Look at healthcare. You go to your doctor, your trainer, your physical therapist, and you say to them, I want to get in better shape. Well, your doctor will tell you, okay, eat a balanced diet, cut out fat, stop smoking, you know, stop the heavy drinking. Start exercising on a regular basis. Now, why does your doctor tell you this? Because he or she knows how the body is built. He or she knows just what makes a body flourish. Therefore, they tell you all these things. Now, if you do them, you'll have better health. 
you will live. But if you stick to your old bad habits, then your body will deteriorate and diminish. Say, for example, every morning you eat the same breakfast, which is a greasy, cheesy sausage omelet. And for lunch, you follow it up with a giant Big Mac. And for dinner, you eat something like fried chicken. And you do that every day. And you continue to smoke a pack of cigarettes. And you don't exercise on a regular basis. Now, your doctor will tell you you're just killing yourself. Instead, follow my plan. But what's your response? You say to your doctor, how dare you? How dare you tell me what to do? How dare you tell me what kind of lifestyle I have to live? Well, your doctor will say, hey, you can take it or leave it. I'm not telling you to do anything. I'm just telling you what will make your body flourish. If you don't want to, then you don't have to do it. I'm just telling you what you have to know. Take it or leave it. So you leave his office and you go to your financial planner and you tell your financial planner, I want to retire in 15 years. Well, your financial planner will say to you, okay, stop living a lavish lifestyle. Stop spending so much money. Instead, develop a budget and stick to it. Start saving money. And that money that you saved, invest it properly. Your response, how dare you? How dare you tell me how to live my life? Again, your financial advisor will say, hey, You take it or leave it. I'm just telling you, if you want to retire in 15 years, you've got to do these things. And see, this is what Jesus is trying to tell us in the gospel. He's simply laying out the facts. Now, he's telling us something that is not arbitrary, something that we can try it if you like it. If you like it, do it. If you don't, you don't have to do it. Nor is Jesus telling something to us that is burdensome. Not at all. He's simply telling us the facts. Just like a physician will tell you the facts on what makes a body flourish and what makes a body die or deteriorate under certain conditions, so too now Jesus is telling us about the soul, which is far, far more important than the body. The soul is something that we will have forever. And so Jesus tells us what will make our soul flourish. And at the same time, what will make our soul deteriorate and wither? Now, you say to yourself, okay, what does that mean to remain in Christ? What does that mean to be grafted onto Jesus Christ? You know, give me some concrete examples. Okay, well, one concrete example is what we do every Sunday. We gather for Mass. The Mass, the Eucharist is the greatest way in which we can remain in Jesus Christ. How so? Because every time we listen to the scripture readings, Christ enters into our mind. Every time we come for communion, we literally take in Christ. We eat his body. We drink his blood. We take in Jesus Christ into our bodies. Therefore, we remain in him. You know, I've given you before that story of J.R.R. Tolkien, the author of the trilogy, The Lord of the Rings. Tolkien was a devout Catholic. Well, one day he received a letter from his son and the son said, Father, I'm afraid. My faith is fading. I feel like I'm losing my faith. Immediately, Tolkien wrote back to his son and the first piece of advice that he gave his son, stay close to the Eucharist. 
I think that's a great piece of advice for all of us. We must always remain close to the Eucharist. You know, this is the reason why we go to Mass every weekend, every Sunday. Not because of obligation, but instead because of this gospel. If we truly want to remain in Christ and have eternal life forever, well, then we go to Mass and we take in Christ. Another way in which we can remain in Jesus, the Ten Commandments. Remember the story of the rich young man? He runs up to Jesus and he says to Jesus, Lord, what must I do to have eternal life? Immediately, Jesus answers him and says, follow the Ten Commandments. And then he begins to list the commandments. Well, we too must realize the commandments are the building blocks, the foundation to the spiritual and moral life. There's no way that we can say, well, the Ten Commandments are archaic and I don't follow them, but I have a strong relationship with God. Well, we're just kidding ourselves. It'd be like for us to say, you know, I eat junk food on a regular basis, but I'm really healthy. Wrong. We're just kidding ourselves. So the Ten Commandments. Another way, stewardship. You know, being a good steward of the gifts that God has given you. Looking at them and then sharing them for the benefit of your faith community. You know, recognize that we all have talents and skills and abilities. We all have the ability to pray. We all have treasure that we can give so that others in our faith communities can benefit from that. We are a good steward of those gifts. We get involved in the life of our faith community. That's another way. Well, a daily prayer life, the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. Those are other ways in which we always remain in Christ, which is what Christ wants us to do more than ever. Today, the scriptures are really good for us all. A great reminder. Jesus lays out the lesson plan. He basically simply lays out the facts, just like any physician or financial planner or lawyer would do for us on a regular basis. He simply gives us the facts. If we truly want life and life in abundance, if we truly want to bear fruit and have our faith grow, then we must remain in him now and always. Is it burdensome? Absolutely not. Instead, it's life-giving, life-growing for us all. Therefore, we must always remain in Jesus. We do that, we'll always bear fruit. Our faith will always grow stronger and stronger, which is all that Jesus wants from us. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.